got to check in with Anchor on how their union's been doing after the first year. Some good news, your beer money might not be supporting genocide. Apparently you didn't hear us before, but this is how you get FDA regulation. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, the podcast of record for everything important in the entire world right now. Assuming like us, you've concluded that beer is literally the only thing you want to pay attention to that doesn't want to make you gouge your eyes out. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. <laughs> Tyler, how you doing this week? Excellent. How are you, Jeremy? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, I've We've got... it's. It's been a strange beer news story this week. I don't know if you've noticed, um, but uh, uh, we've got I've got some interesting shit to talk about. I don't know about you. Yeah, I for how little news I saw kind of on the beer industry, it was interesting pieces. Uh, we'll start out as always, Tyler. What are you drinking? I am having. Uh, a Fremont Dark Star. Uh, I saw the new rebranded can here on one of the shelves in the valley, and so I figured I'd have to tie back into a couple episodes ago when we were talking about Fremont's uh, rebranding. So awesome! Um, uh, going with a uh, with a uh, uh, story we're doing later. Um, I'm picking up a new Belgium Wild Ride. It's their 30th anniversary Amber IPA. Just poured it. Um, at first, I'm like, this isn't very amber, but actually, as I'm looking at it in the glass, it is a gorgeous, um, like, crystal clear, uh, just slightly copper IPA. It has almost a citrusy, I'm going to say cinnamon um, aroma hmm. to it. Um, a little bit malt forward, um, but really well balanced. I get like hints of citrus, pine. It's all like super subtle, so it's I wouldn't necessarily call it an amber IPA. It strikes me as more as a, a a just a nicely made amber ale. It's not bitter enough or hoppy enough to be an IPA, but as a straight up amber ale, it's kind of nice and it's absolutely gorgeous in the glass. Nice. I from looking at it when you were holding it up, it still seems a little light in color. I mean, it's, I mean, it, it's a little bit. I mean, it's on that, it's right on the edge of where a, uh, of where it should be. But it falls under amber in my, in in my uh, estimation. It's also a little bit like dark in here, so under like bright light, you might go, oh wait, that's almost hay colored. But okay, so I don't know. It's, I'm not sure uh, IPA is the right classification for it, but. It's a nice beer, so I will happily drink it. Um, and before we tell you why uh, uh, New Belgium is okay to drink again, if you didn't think it was already, Tyler, you have an update from one of our stories last week, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Uh, not quite a story from last week, but uh, it follows along the same line. So last week we talked about how Anch Anchor Brewing uh, is doing a rebrand. And... Again, we discussed some of the rebrand looks good, others, eh. 
but <laughs> uh, I, I mean just very quickly you sent me something a few days later um that i thought that that you said uh, um uh perfectly encapsulated this was joss Knowles' review off of twitter um it was porter isn't bad lager even worse than steam liberty looks like a competent soulless generic brand steam is still bad <laughs> which i do not disagree with any of those <laughs> no <laughs> the porter is the best looking but uh to but we 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 not to rehash that uh, uh that particular discussion um where else are they moving so uh i can't remember if we covered it at all but i know last week we also mentioned that uh anchor had unionized uh so last year Correct. I mean, that, uh, I was. I actually learned that last week that Anchor is one of the very few um, unionized um, breweries. That means they're socialists. <laughs> they're coming for your flags, I think. They took our jobs. <laughs> well, <laughs> so for the year of 2020, they. Well, and that was basically the first year of their union. On December 20th, 2019, they voted 94% in agreement of the company to become a union. So, with this, uh, Vine Pair actually went out, interviewed a couple of the employees that are on the union board just to try to check in and see how's How's the union been working? Um, so, which, let's dive in because it's kind of an odd year to be having a union when COVID hits and you're working for a brewery. It, it limits your negotiating leverage, I feel. I don't know if it's a weird year to do it. I mean... Without getting way into it, I think unions are a, an outmoded idea whose time has come again. But it just means that you're not going to get a whole lot of sympathy on the uh, on side of ownership when they are also losing their ass. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, couple of the things. I'm a dirty um, socialist too. <laughs> I'm coming for uh, your flags. <laughs> so. Uh, one of the first questions they asked was, what has your relationship with the company been like since ratifying the contract last December 2019? Um, basically, the... How do I phrase this? The couple people they actually asked said um, that they have still have a very positive working relationship with the management. Uh, they said it's not perfect, but... This has kind of given them, and it's a common theme that I've noticed through a lot of it, is it actually improved communication from the frontline workers, your production staff, up to management because it gave them a clear pathway and a seat at the table to say, we don't like how this has been doing or this has been going. This is what we think needs to be done. And then the back and forth conversation. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because, I mean, you know, at, at some point in time, I mean, in a normal, you know, traditional 
if you want to, if you will, uh, work uh, uh, environment, you, you kind of go to your, your, the boss or the owner is like, I think we should do this. And like, you, you either say, I agree or nope, I don't like that. We, uh, we're doing it this way, but you know, with, with a, with a shop where you have some real pull that gives you some real stake in what's about to happen. Mm hmm. Uh, one of the quotes I did see in this is every can and bottle that is being produced in 2021 says union made in San Francisco. Um, one of the shop stewards uh, said our job as a stop shop steward is to hold their feet to the fire. If they're going to brag about the fact that they're union made, our job is to make sure our workers are being treated with as much care as the marketing is. That's, I mean, that's, I like that. That's a good sentiment. Um, um, I mean, you can, you can sort of see where that goes off the rails in some of the traditional unions, but, um, but uh, it's interesting to see how it, I mean, because it's never really been tried to a scale in craft beer. I think it's been tried in some scale in traditional brewing. Um, and I'm talking mm -hmm. probably pre-prohibition. Um but it hasn't been tried really in this industry. Yep. And I was going to say, the article talks about uh, there's some in distilleries uh, and uh, some around coffee, but they're in the craft, like artisanal industry, unions are relatively uncommon. Well, I'm in the American economy at all. Unions have become uncommon. I think I'm, I'm going to spitball. This is not the right figure, but I'm, but it's somewhere around 30% of all workers belong to unions today um, versus, I want to say, 60% 50 years ago. Those aren't the right numbers, but I feel like those are like in and around the right, the, the right, uh, uh, the right range. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, kind of now to hop to number two. Um, apparently, w one of the main reasons they organized was due to the pay. As Jeremy will agree, craft beer is not an industry you work in to make millions <laughs> or thousands. Even no, you <laughs> listen. You, you you work in this industry for two reasons. Number one. Uh, you have an affinity for beer that is bordering on the psychopathic and you really have an alcohol problem you're trying to make a living out of. And number two, um, you really have no other marketable skills. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, so they they asked, how did they handle pay in the negotiations uh, and how has it played out since? Uh, a couple of people that they talked to um, – the nice part is they give each person they interviewed their job there and how many years they've been with the company. So it is a good article to go back and read uh, if any of this piques your interest or if you're working in the craft brewing industry and you're like, you know, our brewery should start a union. This will give you kind of a good jumping off point. I feel like, I mean, in the industry, there is a lot of interest in, you know, uh, uh, in in branching out and forming, you know, new ways of doing business that aren't ex aren't strictly exploitative, right? Um, I mean, mm -hmm. the, there is some interest in sustainability, in taking care of the employees, taking care of communities, and I mean, organized labor 
has its drawbacks, but it, I mean, again, I do really feel like it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's an outmoded idea whose time has come again, because I mean, it, it, in some ways, the reason, uh, it, it hasn't gone well is it got weirdly corrupt at some point in time, but I mean, I think it can work and, um, it's a, it's, it's an idea worth exploring. And the good thing about craft beer is that it, it's, it is a weird, um, you know, crucible for new ideas. I mean, you know, fucking look at it for half a second. They're trying all sorts yep. of weird shit. Why not try new business practices or, you know, revive old ones and see if they, if they work on any scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a couple things they really kind of dove into is, uh, they noticed when they started negotiating that people were getting paid super weird rates. Uh, and they decided they wanted to go in kind of a completely different direction and go with a tiered system. So it's a four-tier system. Uh, first tier is your packaging, tour guides, receptionists, called their entry tier, where most people are going to start off. Second tier, a little more in-depth roles, lab technicians, shift supervisors, specific machine operators. Tier three, lead brewers, and tier four is the warehouse workers, forklift drivers, and maintenance workers. Um, so they've established a minimum amount pay for each tier. I'm curious. So, I mean, those aren't necessarily like in order of most pay because, um, I mean, or maybe they are. I mean, I'm, I'm interested. Are the warehouse workers making more than the head brewer? <laughs> I think like the warehouse workers that they're referring to in tier four are like the in-house electricians and plumbers okay. that uh, not that i have because, anything against listen i've done warehouse work it's shit work and you know them being yeah. paid a lot is not i'm not i'm not against um although more than a head brewer i, I would have some questions about <laughs> that's why i think it was more like the specific like trade skill gotcha positions the shit the, the shit that needs to go right for the head brewer to even to conceive of his job in the first place yes uh, which I don't know a brewer that would say, yeah, I need to be making more than that guy. I mean, he might. I, there, there's all sorts of weird egos, but wait till his, uh, wait till the uh, electricity goes down and see how his opinion changes. It might yeah. not be He'll be like, just get it fixed. Uh-huh. Uh, so they established, they wanted to make it a little more uniform. Um, and so they set basically that baseline for each tier that no one is going to make less than that uh, because they found it kind of odd that when you're working right next to someone who has similar experience, you could both be getting paid totally different rates. Absolutely. And you find that all, and not just in craft beer, obviously how many, you know, that how many times do you like, wait, you make how much? Mm-hmm. That's why they don't want you talking about it. You see? Yep. Uh, they also put in a raise structure in the contract. Um, where it kind of staggers out the raise. Um, so they'd get part of the raise in 2020 uh, and part of it at the beginning of 2021, and then it'll continue to go up. Um, and it from the article, it seems about 21% over three years. It seems acceptable, so, especially with the, I mean, rate of inflation plus a little bit of mm-hmm. like, hey, you're sticking around and we want you to stick around because you're probably accumulating knowledge that is valuable. Yep. And 
it takes the burden off of the company of having to pay that up front. You're able to stagger that a little, so it's a win-win on both sides. And then also, uh, they made it to where... So one of the people they interviewed was a taproom supervisor. He said in his position, he doesn't receive tips. He just gets paid an hourly wage. So sometimes it would be a little discouraging watching tipped employees do less work and make more money. That makes total sense. I mean... And I mean, you got the security of your salary, but at the same time, on a good night, you're watching your underlings make, you know, several hundred bucks a night. Mm-hmm. Uh, where now with him getting that pay raise, it's kind of helping level that off. That makes, I mean, yeah, that makes total sense. So uh, he said the pay increase has made life easier and more and more attainable. Uh the big one that I was super interested in, and it's question number three, was what happened when the pandemic hit? Did the contract's provisions have an effect on your day-to-day work at Anchor? Um, one of the guys they interviewed said they did have to do layoffs, but they did it much later than most other companies did with the pandemic. Uh, they bargained with the management, and they actually figured out a pretty decent middle ground. Um, so what they were able to do is, for the people they did have to lay off, um, they worked out a severance package for them. Uh, and then most of them are actually back to work right now uh, with something they call callback rights. So if you lost a job due to the pandemic or any reason you lose the job, they're downsizing, whatever, but you're in good standing with the company. You have about two years to get back into that same position before they hire anybody else. If you want to return, if you don't, they can within that time, hire someone else, but you have the first right of refusal to have your old job back. Again, this makes total sense, which means it's totally unworkable at any scale. I don't, I don't approve of this. Um, it, it, it's definitely not. This, um, I mean, the part about this, I think, I was about, I was going back to sarcastic comment, and I lost it. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, the, 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 the part about that that kind of makes sense is like, I think if you are, if you have, you know, a, a, a you know unionized workers and i think if you and i think if there is like a real effort of good faith uh of a company to try to take care of the employees um little known fact um if the company finds themselves in a bind like i bet they did during the pandemic and you and and again you've made several good faith um gestures to your people when the time comes to reciprocate i'm gonna bet you nine times out of ten they will and they will mm-hmm. do what needs to do to, to to happen to a not only keep the company going but keep the, the their uh, their coworkers g- getting a paycheck, even if it's a little bit less than it was before. Mm-hmm. One of the people did say uh, they had their first and only pandemic-related layoff in August, uh, and had to lay off eight people. Jesus. So I don't know if that was just that department or all departments, but he said most of them are, have been brought back or have been offered to be brought back. 
Um, there was some, you know, just reduced down to part-time. So it seems like they were pretty fair and actually worked with the union to make sure the employees were taken care of and people were safe, people had the option, and the rug just wasn't pulled out from under them. Well, and I... And, and I have to imagine that the people who are, you know, are currently with this company now, there's not going to be a whole lot of, there, there's, here's what's happening in the industry from, you know, where I'm looking at it. Um, and it's just gigantic three card Monty game. You know, where's the head bird? Is he over here? No, he moved mm-hmm. over here. He moved over here. I mean, there's, you know, there's been so much shuffling in this industry and it's bizarre because it's not like there's a whole lot, there's not a, there are fewer jobs in the industry, obviously, but at the mm-hmm. same time, there's like a lot of the same positions that just got shuffled around for no discernible reason other than everybody laid everybody off and then then they sort of realized they needed to hire people again. And people kind of pissed off at their former employer for just tossing them off, went to the next people because, hey, why not? Grass is always greener, yeah? Yep. And it was so. it is this gigantic three-card... 50 card Monty game really where you know and uh uh I'll I'm willing to bet real money that uh you know there's not a whole lot of people coming out of uh anchor uh of anchor at this moment unfortunately probably not a lot of people whole a lot of people going in that's the one thing I always that's one criticism I had about uh union shops is that it's super hard to get into Mm -hmm. because the people are happy there and they stay (laughs) yeah <laughs> and they and by the way, when they need when they have an opening, they got a line a mile long, and they want to hire the good people, right? Yeah, you better be cream of the crop if you want to talk. Which I mean, again, you're like sitting there going, "God damn, this makes way too much sense. We cannot have this, you know, just happening will willy nilly." Uh huh. Uh. <laughs> well, question four kind of ties into that. Uh. They said a typical critique of unions is that they'll implement a layer of bureaucracy that'll hamper innovation and communication. Have you seen it happen at Anchor? Um, Basically, everyone said, no, it seems to have improved communication. If there's something that's not going the way it should be, they have a venue to express to the management and expect to get a reply. Where before you could go complain to a supervisor, but it may not make it all the way up. It may make it up and then just fall off, or you may not actually bring it up for fear of retaliation. Um, They also said, you know, there are two sides to everything because, you know, if you need something, you now have to run it through management where maybe before it wouldn't have been an issue. So it has slowed down some things, but the amount of things it's opened up are by and far better than what it slowed down. And they said they meet with the management every two weeks um, where there was a long-term disconnect before this. So they didn't, management didn't know what was happening on the frontline people. Frontline people didn't know what management was really doing. Does that sound familiar? Nope, nope, not at all. <laughs> I mean, I mean, so. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, it, and again, it just, it, yeah, it, 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 
makes a lot of sense and uh um you know to you know you you realize that that you know once you have that i mean that that quick and that, that obvious avenue um you know that the the little things the little things don't just fester and yep. and uh, i mean you know we've worked in the industry and not union shops you know <laughs> uh-huh it, we know and if, if yeah. you're listening and you're working in in the industry you know and if you're not working in the industry you will know this mm-hmm. industry i love this industry but it's like most industries except you get free beer and so that almost makes some places almost value you less because they're like, there's a line of people out that door that would love to come work here. And mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, until they realize everything they have to do for the pennies on the dollar. I'll say until they realize they need to pay rent and they can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so... To hop over to question number five now, uh, they asked, how much of the gains you've made this year do you attribute to the contract as opposed to the company just being decent people? Uh, <laughs> couple... that's, actually, that's actually a damn good question, though. Yep. So one of them talked about how they actually negotiated uh, to get hazard pay. And he brought up, you know, with the current environment, he thinks without the contract and the union being there, that hazard pay probably wouldn't have happened. And it makes sense because I think Kroger just came out and said it's closing a bunch of California stores because they no longer want to have to pay their grocery workers hazard pay to be working during COVID-19. <laughs> these are the, by the way, these are the heroes that they were talking about. Uh, what? Like, nine months ago the heroes right advertising in every store and yeah um yeah uh thank you for your service (laughs) so i i found it funny that i read this article after kroger came out and says that and the guy's like i think i don't think they would have paid us hazard pay they may have but that is actually a fair point though because i mean but i mean the i mean the answer is the the answer is if you're is ironically if you're the people if 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 the management and the people you're dealing with aren't nice people you almost need the union more because mm-hmm. that is i mean then you need the united front then you need the then then you need the uh, uh the united power saying we will you won't take advantage of us right i mean that's where you get into the the uh, uh, the the fun part of unions, the strikes, the you know protests, the uh, people weirdly just sitting out on the. That's there's the other part of it. I think that they give unions a bad rap is that they will just hire people to sit outside a building for a while, um, mm-hmm. like haphazardly holding a sign. <laughs> that uh, is a thing that happens. <laughs> another thing, uh, one of them brought up was they were prepping to open up the bar when restrictions were lifted in the San Francisco area uh, and said, and one of them brought up to the manager and said, are you guys going to give us a little bit of backup if we get people that don't want to wear the mask and the whole plethora of issues with social distancing and that. And the manager said, 
we would much rather our workplace be as strict as possible so that nobody gets COVID and everyone's safe versus getting money from people like that. And again, I mean, that's just goddamn decent. <laughs> You're not yep. going to run into that everywhere. <laughs> I was going to say, and so they attribute part of that to having the unionize and having that contract stating different things like that. Because, I mean, I'm sure you've seen other restaurants even here locally where no one's enforcing social distance. No one's enforcing the mask. They're just like, fuck it. I don't care. Only because, through pictures. Um, I mean, only, yeah. honestly, only through pictures. I've, I'm still on baby lockdown. Um, mostly kind of because of that shit. Because I'd feel a little bit better about, like... Uh, it, checking things out but here in idaho where the uh the coronavirus is a hoax a communist hoax i think um yeah it just i don't even i don't even bother they did say they had a battle with management to get them to rehire some people back in a timely manner they'd be like oh let's just keep doing it with the skeleton crew you only need this many and they're like no we need that extra set of hands now production's picking up we need that extra body and so it was a back and forth between that. Um, and then the final question is, what would you tell workers at other craft breweries who were thinking about unionizing? Um, one person said, open up your mind, be imaginative. You can break the status quo. Um, you know, think of whatever you like about your job that you can solidify. Whatever you don't like, you can bargain over and change. Uh, you know, do you want health care? Do you want higher wages? Do you want paid holidays? When you're bargaining, you're not going to get it all, but you might be able to get a couple things. And you might have to give up a couple things. Um, another said, believe in the power of the contract. You know, when you have it solidified in a contract, it's a lot more likely they'll hold, you can hold the other party to it. And, people treat each other decent i i yeah that does make a lot of sense <laughs> um with that will never catch on no they basically talked about how the others just said you know it's created uh you know better cultures uh and they're like you know what let's bring it up let's see if we can get it passed if not no worries uh but at least it's been voiced and it kind of gave the common pee on a platform. Wonderful. Your logo still kind of looks weird to me. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I would have. I would have renegotiated that in uh, in the in the union meeting. Yeah. Well, I think they'd rather take hazard pay over a logo. Fair enough. Uh, what do we got next, Jeremy? All right. Just a reminder that New Belgium is owned by a company that funds global uh, genocidal civil war news now. You know Woo! what? Say what you want about Boulevard Brewing. Me and Tyler certainly did last week. <laughs> but as appalling as the actions of uh, some of their employees and the indifference within the rest of the company was, calling it a human atrocity is a bit of a hyperbole. Uh, you can't say that about every company. In fact, you can't say that about uh, New Belgium's parent company at the moment. Um, this actually comes from uh, beerbrewingbusiness.com. was written by Keith Gibbons. Um, so way back in November 2019, you remember those days? 
Remember oh, those days? the good old days. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kitten brought new, bought New Belgium Brewing. Uh, we talked about it uh, a great deal back in episode 23, an episode called Little Creatures and Giant Inflatable Flappy IPA Thingy. Um, oh, because uh, Lagunitas opened the... Their gift shop to sell like their cans. Correct. Ah, oh, that was <laughs> those were good old days. Uh, we talk about it a great deal, and if you want to go back and take it, give it a little listen, um, you know, please do so. But the basic idea is this: Little Creatures Brewing out of Australia uh, bought New Belgium. Little Creatures is owned by Lion, which is owned by Kieran, and Kieran is a company at issue here. Um, we touched on it a little bit uh, uh, when we talked about it way back when, but we didn't go. I, I, I mean, uh, we didn't go really deep into it. Um, and um, but it's this, okay? Um, Kieran is a giant monolithic monster of a company, like this giant kraken tentacles everywhere. It's one of those companies that you don't know. Even if you don't buy their beer, you might be buying Kieran products and not know it. Um, yeah. And among their many, 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 fuck, many holdings, they also have a majority stake in Miramar Brewing Limited. It's the biggest beer producer in that particular country, um, but not content with owning just the majority stake in the largest beer producer. In 2017, Kieran brought a, bought a majority stake in Mandalay Brewing Limited. Both breweries were owned and are still heavily invested by the Myanmar Economic Holdings Limited, or the MEHL. Um, this is important because this is a military-owned conglomerate. Now, you might ask, why is this an issue? <laughs> um, this well, <laughs> okay, um, you've been on Twitter in the last week? Imagine, if you will, that here in America, all the big generals got together and decided that they were pretty much fed up with the American people and their lily-livered, whiny, pedantic insistence on, oh, human rights and not killing innocent people and not committing genocide on a massive scale. Let's just say. <laughs> and they decided that would be... Damn a snowflakes. I know, right? <laughs> They decided what we the, the best thing to do was to get around this was instead of relying on funding from the taxpayers and a government, which at least on paper might be in Miramar, is controlled by the voters. Um, they would just go out, start up companies and use the revenue to buy guns, planes, tanks, whatever the fuck they need and pretty much do whatever they want without being accountable to anybody. Hell Cap yeah, brother. Capitalism, baby. Capitalism. <laughs> I mean, it's a little more complicated than that, but that's a basic sous-saw of what's going on in uh, uh, Miramar. So, basically, according to the United Nations Human Rights Council, um, Kieran um, has directed over $90 million in payments to the MEHL um, since their acquisitions of the breweries in the form of dividends. So, it's not... So, to be fair to Kieran, it's not like they're cutting a check $90 million to kill people. It is their, as a company, their obligation to pay shareholders. Unfortunately, their shareholders are um, a murderous military force. So you're saying Kieran is to genocide as Chick-fil-A is to anti-gay. <laughs> um, not, 
I feel like Chick-fil-A <laughs> is a little bit more like vividly anti-gay. I mean, I think I don't think Kieran actively wants to kill the people of Miramar. They just really, really want money. And they don't so much care how many people die. Um, <laughs> um, uh, all of this was known at the time of the sale of New Belgium. In fact, there were protests in Fort Collins begging New Belgium not to sell at, to an organization that was funneling money towards, and this is true, the longest-running civil war in human history. I think I did know that. I did because, not know that. Because I remember hearing something, because Myanmar or Myanmar, whatever it's called, is also... We can say Burma, to too. Bur yeah. Burma. We can say Burma. But it's a point of contention. What side you're on is what you call it. Correct. And, um, I mean, this is embarrassing to admit. So I'm just going to go ahead. I didn't think Miramar and Burma were the same co same country. <laughs> I knew that shit since, like, high school. Uh, not... I am I am well, embarrassingly not I mean I'm I'm I, I went into a deep dive this weekend and learned a lot. Um, most of it I can't get out of my head, but um, um, one of the reasons I knew is uh, one of the doctors in my hometown went over there uh, and was helping uh, distribute medicine and practice medicine over there, but had to do it under like military escort. Okay. Because if the government found him, they would kill him. Um, whew. So why talk about this now? Well, here's the thing. As of Monday, uh, Myanmar, uh, the Myanmar uh, military overthrew the democratic government. Um, and while and the government... Jailed the president and they said they're jailing everyone for like a year? Pretty much, yes. So they're putting their government in time out. <laughs> Um, except I don't think timeout usually includes a military execution, which hasn't happened yet, but it hasn't not, not happened yet. Um, but it's not off the table. <laughs> I mean, so listen, the government was basically powerless to control its military beforehand. Um, but whatever, whatever, uh, um, whatever control they did have to control their military was too much, um, and they really, really wanted to exterminate, among other people, uh, their ho I'm going to try to pronounce this, the Rodigas, uh, a Muslim majority uh, population, a Muslim minority population, excuse me. Um, but any oversight now is over. So now, completely untethered, um, you know what? It'd be a gosh darn good time for Kieran to pull its support from these murderous bastards. So has Kieran does, done this thing? Well, have they? Actually, it turns out as of this morning, they have. Um, Let me guess, you already had something prepped to rip them a new <laughs> asshole. Kinda. <laughs> really just knocked the wind right out of your sails, didn't Kinda, it? Kinda, a little bit. Actually, as of about uh, 7 o'clock this morning, as reported in the, guard, in the Guardian, a massive... Com the, the Kieran um, actually cut ties with uh, 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 Myanmar Brewing Limited, saying that in a statement, quote, they were deeply concerned by the recent actions of the, of the military in Myanmar, uh, which are against our standards of and human rights policy. <clears throat> so I guess what they're saying is genocide is fine, so long as there's sort of kind of a government to rein it in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, they, add, they added, quote, given the current circumstances, we have no option but to terminate our current joint venture partnership with Myanmar Economic Holdings Public Company Limited, which provides services of welfare, fan money, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we're putting this termination into effect. Um, because if we don't, we're going to lose too much money from the bad well, publicity. Be I mean, that that's just it. I mean, because... Um, this is, of course, after, uh, uh, like we saw last week, I don't know if you remember, um, when Boulevard uh, came out with their weak-ass statement, Kieran, around the same, uh, uh, around the same time earlier this week, um, released a similar statement saying they were investigating the hell out of this and that, quote, unfortunately, the assessment was inconclusive, and as a result, uh, we are Woo! unable to, to access sufficient information required to make a de de definitive determination. On a side note, I really, really, really want a job as a corporate investigator right now. It just seems like a nice gig. You wander into the office around noon or so. You watch the girls <laughs> out the window. I don't know. You play that little paper, like, football game with your coworkers. And then you spin a wheel of generic corporate responses. <laughs> Whatever it lands on, you type into a fucking email and you send it off. And, and you wait to see the reaction and then you actually work to solve the reaction. Okay, up until that last part, I'm on board, but you know, I mean <laughs> unfortunately the the the, the recent Oh don't worry, you don't have to work hard. You just basically gotta be like, what would a decent human who's not a just narcissistic cunt uh do <laughs> and go oh that's what we're gonna do um i still do believe this is a positive move i mean listen um any time is a good time to cut ties with a genocidal military junta it's i'm not arguing that but i'm not gonna sit there and pat him on the back being like way to be the next generation's like role models here, you fuckwads. It's like my father always used to say. He'd sit me down on his knee and say, Hey, son, remember, it's never too late to support, uh, to stop supporting ethno-religic genocide. And you know what? He's right. He was right about that. <laughs> but you're not going to get a round of applause when you do it too late. <laughs> um, uh, a spokesperson for the for justice, uh, for uh, uh, Myanmar advocacy group said this, quote, Kieran's bold and timely move to cut ties sends a strong message to the Myanmar military and their illegitimate and brutal coup and the continued genocide, war crimes and crimes against humanity uh, will not be tolerated. Um, Kieran's actions support the democratic struggle of the Myanmar people for democracy, peace, justice, and accountability. It does not mention the moment where, that he said under his breath about fucking time too. Jesus. <laughs> um, so what does this mean? Well, if you were one of the few, I'm guessing like five people, uh, refusing to buy new Belgium because of their admittedly very loose. I mean, here's the thing. I don't know how... I don't know how much you can uh, uh, um, um, tie a company like New Belgium to a parent company like Kinnon. Um, it's 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 a tough one. But if you were one of the people that like said a few cents of my six pack might go to uh, uh, support a uh, military genocide, well, you can do as I've done today: kick back, 
Um, maybe, you know, crack open a Belgian amber and ponder, what the fuck does an overly sweet, caramel, caramely yet somehow bland beer have to do with Belgium? I don't know. I missed, I, I missed it too. Um, <laughs> but in, in all sincerity, New Belgium, um, they, I think they are a company that has tried to and continue to try to do the right thing for uh, their employees and their community. Um, it's it sucks to have had this stink on them. Hopefully, uh, latest events kind of remove that a little bit. Yeah, hopefully, you know, they don't revert back in a couple of years to funneling I mean, money to that. Don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure Kieran is responsible for untold uh, human rights violations. But one fewer. One fewer. So you can kick back and... Uh, and or you know what? You can buy. Um, you can you can go out and support uh, a small local breweries where I'm guessing almost none of your money is going to go to support uh, a genocide, or very slim chance. <laughs> Listen, that that little microbrew on the uh, in in your neighborhood are probably not sending any money to uh, to to genocidal acts unless they are actually total assholes. But I, I feel like you can pick them out. I mean, if they have, like, mm-hmm. we support genocide on their front door, maybe keep on walking to the next one. Yep. Or if you really want a bigger craft brewery out of Colorado, you can buy an Odell beer like I did. So, oh, so I just saying, switched over. So you're saying you're better than me is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Uh, no, I just cracked open a... Uh, Odell Brewing's uh, Wolf Picker Experimental IPA. Hold yeah. on. Is it Wolf Picker? I can't remember. Yes. Wolf Picker. And, man, it's fantastic. Just super bright and very crisp, refreshing. A lot of citrus coming through. It's better than I remember. All right. Well, Tyler, what do you got next for us? Well, we're going to check it. We're going to go down to Texas. <laughs> the only thing worse <laughs> than your Texan accent might be your Australian one. I mean, wait, do that Texan accent for me again. Well, I was also in the middle of trying to swallow some beer, so it was not well planned out. <laughs> Which should help your Texan accent. Every Texan <laughs> talks between mouthfuls of beer. It is known. Well... So, Weathered Souls Brewing uh, just got named um, Hop Culture Magazine's Best Brewery in the United States for the year 2020. You may be going, Weathered Souls, where do I know that from? I know, I know. Jeremy, would you like to educate the class? They are the uh, the brewery that uh, came out with and uh, 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 promoted the uh, Black is Beautiful um, uh, uh, campaign. Uh, they created it. Yes. They, well, they're the ones who made the recipe, they made the logo, and then told the world to brew this beer. And if you are so inclined, give this money to a good cause. Mm-hmm. 100%. Hold on. An ad just fucking popped up. <laughs> God damn it! They won't make your penis any larger, Tyler. Just, just click past it. No, it start. I can hear the ad in my headphones. <laughs> <Fucking> so, <really? laughs> yes. So, 
goddamn local news stations. <laughs> they won't make your penis any bigger either. <laughs> so, uh, the writer for Hop Culture wrote about Weathered Souls. Their resiliency, courage, leadership were all key factors in naming them the best brewery of 2020. Uh, they, and and yet resilience and the tasty well-crafted beers are only part of the puzzle and definitely not the most important part. Uh, they talked about how, you know, in an election year, it was a risky move for them to take a stance like that uh, with the potential blowback, losing customers uh, by launching the Black is Beautiful campaign. Were they, was it, was it, because I remember at the same time, um, we were talking about some brewery making some sort of stand and being will and essentially saying we will never be so happy to lose customers ever in our in in our existence or something along those. That lines. was Austin Beer Works founder said that when Weathered Souls started offering this same story and, wrong brewery. Okay, got it. Yep. So Austin Beer Works when they decided they were going to join in on this said. You know we're gonna do this, and we can't wait to lose people. I'm 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 just happy that I at least uh, was uh, like again right story wrong brewery. Yep. So some good news coming from them. You know they make excellent beer from the reviews I've read on them. Uh, I personally haven't had any of their beers, uh, but Hop Culture said in conjunction with their excellent beers, their social justice stance helped push them over and make them their best brewery in the United States for 2020. Um, having had several incarnations of the Black is Beautiful, um, revisions, excellent. Um, a couple of local breweries that will remain unnamed, not so great. Mm-hmm. But, um, so. but, I mean, the different interpretations were absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was nice to... And kind of unheard of, even in such a collaborative industry, for someone to say, here's our recipe, join in. I mean, well, not, I mean, it happened, I mean, there was all... With the resilience. Yeah, with resilience and the um, all together. Do you remember that? It was... Uh, it was it was a brief thing um, in between. Um, right, I mean, actually, it was right before Black is Beautiful, and I mean, it was. It, I think it was a more like worldwide effort. I mean, they were they, they mm -hmm. were trying to spread that even in in and, and did and actually did spread that um, um, uh, more worldwide. But I I mean that was more of a just like a like an idea to to get people through the pandemic, not really an advocacy for, um, for, for a social cause. Correct. Yes. I was searching so. through, I was searching for the correct word through the haze of too much beer tonight. <laughs> well, Jeremy, well, I think you're about to bring me down a little. What you got? Well, actually it's going to depend a little bit because I've got this, uh, um, um, this, Oh, you got a hand grenade. And we got we've got a, a a the blackberry sparkler from um, Lone Pine Brewing out of Portland, Maine. Um, I bought this for a reason. I'm pointing it away from me just in case. Okay, actually, no, we're fine. We're fine. Um, 
It's a little foamy, a little, uh, a little extra carbonation, but it is at this point in time in room temperature. Um, so that you're lucky it didn't blow up in the middle of the podcast. That would have been spectacular. Now you might be asking yourself, okay, what is with this whole like? Why are they worried about uh, um, uh, things blowing up and uh, and such note and such things now? Well, you want FDA regulations because this is how you get FDA regulations. Part two news now. Um, back in episode 51, an episode with a very similar title, we talked about 450 North and a, a minor problem they had with their cans. You know, What's that can save right now? <laughs> What's that? Does that can have any warning or anything? Um, so let me see here. It says, so uh, this is the blueberry sparkler from Lone Pine, and it says, keep refrigerated, fruited beers are better fresh, Live yeast may settle. And it is as advertised. It is like fruity. It's tart. It's blackberry. It's got a little like funky farmhouse characteristic that I rather like. So it's not bad. Nice. Uh, I jokingly was talking to someone the other day about 450 North. And they're like, they should really do a beer where the label of that beer is a, looks like a hand grenade. Funny you should mention that because um, uh, there is a brewery that kind of leaned into that. Um, yes. So so anyway, all right. You, you may at this point in time, if you haven't clicked back to episode fifty-one, going, "What the fuck are they talking about?" Four Fifty Norris had this problem with cans fucking exploding. Um, these were beers that were basically um, sour beers with pure fruit puree added. Um, to the point where, I mean, they're just basically a slushy and, you know, do you, I, I figure, I feel like, uh, the, 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 the listeners of this podcast are educated just enough to know what happens if you add sugar to active, uh, fermenting yeast. And 450 North, if I remember correctly, was also the brewery that did a 8% Goza that had fruit added that came out to like two percent because they added so much fucking fruit juice. We actually uh, like I did the math here on the podcast, and they I mean that stuff is basically pure fruit puree with a little beer added. I mean, for and I think it's eight bucks a can, so for like about three bucks at home, you could add some uh, bush light to uh, um, to a glass of fruit puree, and you're basically you know drinking fruit puree at that point in time. Um, but I digress. Um, we, we talked at length about uh, the responsibilities that fall on the heads of uh, the, on the heads of breweries to watch not only quality control but public fucking safety. Um, what has happened since then? Well, um, it turns out the entire industry had this come to Jesus moment. They decided that you know, this really is a major problem. Uh, they agreed on a set of quality standards regarding heavily fruited beers and everything was fine. Crisis averted. Ha! Nope. Just fucking kidding. This comes from Good Beer Hunting by Kate Bernard. Uh, Oakshire Brewing out of Eugene, Oregon had to issue a voluntary recall this month for their latest uh, theme from the bottom Mango, raspberry, cheesecake, smoothie, sour ale release. I need to take God a, damn it. I need to take a minute to swallow down the bile that combination of words just engendered in my soul. Well, <laughs> at least from what I've heard so far, 
They're doing a recall. I give them a little more respect. Where a lot of these companies that we talked about in episode 51 were like, you just need to keep it cold. It's not our fault. Keep it cold. Hold that respect till I get to, uh, to, so, all right. They said that, uh, uh, they, basically in a statement, they said these beers don't meet Oakshire's quality standards and the customers, uh, who have one of these beers. And this is where I'm going to quote directly from the statement from Oakshire. So hold that respect. <clears throat> if you have theme mango cheesecake in your possession, please do not open it. Do not attempt to transport or ship it. Do not attempt to return it. Do not remove the cans from their plastic holders. Dispose of the product by the following steps. One, before disposing of any cans of theme mango cheesecake, please put on protective gloves and a face shield or goggles and a mask. Two, place all remaining Theme mango cheesecake cans in a closed box and place immediately in a secured garbage container or dumpster outside. Oakshire is proud of its innovative beers and is particularly proud of the theme from the bottom series. Unfortunately, in this instance, we missed the target. <laughs> like I said, we missed. You need PPE to deal with our <laughs> shit. Crack it open in the fridge, pour it down the fucking drain, or take throw it into the backyard and shoot the bitch. I mean, I'm gonna read this really. It's like a bomb threat. I didn't know how to have a fucking bomb squad to open a beer. <laughs> this, oh my! I mean, I just it, this is not the first, but I mean, it's arguably the most spectacular. I mean. Okay, I lost a little respect, but I still have some respect for them for issuing the recall, trying to educate people how to dispose of it without it hurting them potentially, where everyone else was just like, just keep it cold. I don't know what the problem is. Just keep it cold. Why wouldn't you keep it cold? You're like, you're hitting on right at the part of where I'm talking about. This is not the first. Actually, it happens so often that I'm frankly shocked that. There has not been yet, I can't find, maybe you know, that I can't find a single instance that um, someone being seriously hurt by an exploding can like one of these. Um, but I feel like it's only a matter of time. So, you know, of course, right now would just be a super duper good time to look into this and try to prevent this kind of fucking thing from happening again, which would require some oversight from somewhere. So... We don't want the FDA to step in, but it actually is kind of handy because the FDA doesn't want to step in in either. Um, Bernard actually reached out to the FDA for this article to see what they thought, and I will quote the article right here. In response to the questions from Good Beer Hunting about its oversight of breweries in regards to exploding cans... A spokesperson for the FDA initially seemed confused about whether the issue fell under FDA's purview. Then, in a follow-up email, the spokesperson said that, quote, after speaking, to, with, after speaking with our subject matter experts, your questions are better suited for the ATF, the Bureau of Al Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, 
When, <laughs> when good beer hunting provided specific subsections of the MSMA to the FDA, its spokesman, spokesman did not respond. What it's referring to is the Food Safety and Modernization Act, which covers in detail current good manufacturing practice. So this very much falls under this jurisdiction. <laughs> yeah. To me, it's the FDA, not the, all the fun department of the government. So the FDA could not give a fuck. So you know how I said that earlier that I want to be a corporate investigator? If that's not in the card, I want to work for the FDA as an investigator. It's pretty much the same job. <laughs> it's actually less. Because as soon as you send your generic response, you don't have to respond anymore. This very much falls under their jurisdiction, but you know what? So what? Failing federal regulation, maybe a group of breweries could come together and just kind of agree that this is bad for business, bad for the industry, and just bad all around, and sort of kind of police themselves. You know what? Good news. Kind of like front. the Brewers Association. Um, a group of breweries have come to a consensus. Bad news is... They've come to exactly the consensus that you've been talking about this entire article. Just keep it cold, people. <laughs> the 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 industry seems to be going with a uh, like this uh, um, this assumption that cans explode sometimes. There's just no <laughs> way of predicting it. There's no explanation of how or why. It's unavoidable. Unavoidable. So you know what? Just be careful with your beer. No. No! No! <laughs> Except we obviously know they know the hazards involved. New Jersey's Magnify Brewing ran a test on their Trade Proof series. They set the cans for three or four days at 85 to 90 degrees, and guess what? They exploded. And the brewery responded by putting a ticking time bomb on the label and warned customers it, imperative, it is imperative that these cans remain cold at all times. So there you go, Tyler. There's your brewery leading into it. They put a fucking time bomb on the label. <laughs> you have T-minus three days to get this bitch cold. <laughs> um, Burley Oak Brewing had a similar disclaimer section on their website suggesting that their products keep cold at all times um this one right here i'm drinking um it's not quite the slushy beer we're talking about but it is fruit added um they also have a keep refrigerated thing so you know what all breweries know how fucking fermentation works so this claim to how not you have... make your fucking money so i this claim to not have any idea of what will happen is beyond horseshit. <laughs> well, so I actually went through my screenshots and found we had never talked about this. Clear Lake Brewing had, I saw this on Twitter, had released a Rattler and I'll send you these pictures after the podcast, but they are like the cans are bad. Like they popped. It was almost like the Imperial Yeast when they fucking popped. Um, well, yeah, Tyler will send me these pictures. I will put them up on an Instagram uh, so you can look at. I mean, what we're talking. I mean, we're making fun of it, but this is this is legitimately kind of fucking scary. Oh, oh! Just wait till I read you the screenshots of their Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter post, whatever the fuck it was. This is a PSA. You don't fucking say. 
when we say keep your Rattler cold, we actually mean keep your Rattler cold two exclamation points. If you don't keep it cold, it will dot 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 explode explosion emoji. <laughs> Seriously. Beer everywhere, making it a waste, and a pain in the arse to clean up. Keep your Rattler cold. Drink it, don't save it. Saving beer is just silliness. Hashtag downtown Torrance, hashtag clear lake, hashtag craft beer, hashtag microbrewery, hashtag cranberry, hashtag Rattler, hashtag seriously, hashtag keep it cold, hashtag beer God everywhere, hashtag we're selling you a hand grenade. Uh, <laughs> I added the last one. I was hoping you did. Um, you're right. Uh, we, you hit upon it earlier. The BA could... Oh, I'm not done. I'm not shit. done. So someone comments on that. Oh, God. And goes, please help me understand. Is it a consequence of it being at room temperature for long periods of time, heated up in a car or other vessels for unusually high temperatures, or overcarbonation during preparation? Question mark. Oh, they respond and go... Great question! Double exclamation point. <laughs> the sheer sign it's, of a, a disordered mind. It's the nature of the beast! Exclamation point. Radler has a high sugar content, which means if not kept cold, the fermentation process will start up slash resume in the can, and all the sugar gives the process a lot of fuel. It doesn't take long to create more CO2 than the can can haha, contain and Balano! Have you ever had a fucking Stiegel Rattler? You live in the fucking United States! The Stiegel Rattler had to make it from fucking Germany all the way over without exploding in the fucking shipping container, which is a fucking refrigerated! So I guarantee you can make a Rattler that doesn't explode! <laughs> that might be the angriest you have ever been on the podcast and I can't believe it was about a fucking rattler. <laughs> Your phone's about to go off. Oh. I'm sending you these pictures right now. The BA absolutely could step in um, and they do have information on their website for breweries looking to make these heavily fruited to help instruct the breweries who want to make these heavily fruited beers. But the view from the trade group is that these fruit slushy things will just pass. They're just another trend. These crazy kids with their hula hoops and Nintendo will just go away. But it's not fucking going to. These beers are heavily sought after on Tavor. And through beer trading circles, they fly off the shelves. And How does Tavor not ban it? Because I guarantee those bitches be popping off in the fucking warehouse. <laughs> they, I mean. You I know mean, what's going to stop all this? UPS, FedEx, and all that are going to ban shit like this getting sent in it. I mean, that's a th that's the whole point of this thing is there's there doesn't seem to be any gives a shit from uh, uh from uh, um you know anybody involved in production, so it sort of kind of falls onto the consumer, and again, I I want to stress that it seems to be that thankfully no one's been hurt by this, but I would be highly pissed if I just dropped I don't know five seven ten Eight. bucks 
Yeah, yeah. for a, a fucking 16-ounce can. Because if you don't know, that's what a lot of these go for. Um, and it blows up and I get two ounces of this bitch? I'd be kind of pissed, to, yeah, to have it sprayed all over my ceiling. Never mind. But here's the... Here's I'd the most, rather slam my dick in the door. Here's the most Whoa. infuriating thing. By and large, customers don't care. We talked about this in episode 51 with the 450 North debacle. Be it exploding cans, be it the fact they were selling beer labeled 8% when it turned out to be, what, maybe 2? Um, yeah. You would think customers would feel genuinely cheated, and some did to their credit, but most, at least from my ventures onto social media, were still baying for their product, like Pavel, the, the goddamn Pavlovian dogs that they are. Oh, and we talked about the fucking untapped rankings that yes. we were looking at that are like four and a half stars, four stars, five stars. It blew up all over my kitchen, but it was still fire. That's where we I wish that person's house would fucking burn down. Um that's it's so depressing. It's where we find ourselves. It's when it comes to exploding cans, I would argue over I mean beer quality issues, but customers don't give a shit. Breweries don't give a shit. The federal government doesn't seem to give a shit. So maybe all we're doing is waiting for someone to lose an eye. But if that happens and we still don't care, and if we've really shifted our culture so far to the point where the consumer is totally and utterly responsible for what they buy, no matter what, how dangerous it might be, listen, I want my fucking Boba Fett action figure back. I was in the 80s. It was so cool. It had this missile that shot off his back, and some dumbass kid shot it and got it lodged up his septum or some shit, and his, par and his parents lost their shit. It went on the news. All parents all over the country lost their shit, including mine. My Boba Fett action figure got taken away, and I will say it now, and I, I said it now, and I'll say it then. That fucking kid was an imbecile, and he deserved what he got, all right? I knew not to shoot mm -hmm. myself in the eye. I maybe shot my brother, but it's in the head on the back. I never shot him anywhere or get lodged <laughs> up there. But that, that little stupid little shit, like blinded himself with that goddamn missile, and now no one of us, cause none of us can have it. It wasn't my fucking fault. It's like I'm a responsible kid. I want my Bubba Fett fucking action figure back. I want it now. <laughs> it's like these cans have probably hurt more people than lawn darts did. But I'm we just, lost those. I, lawn darts. I want lawn darts. If, if, if it's a co corporate free-for-all, I want my Bubba Fett action figure back, and I want lawn darts back. <laughs> that was my rant. <laughs> well... None of you can see this. If you heard me laughing dur during Jeremy's rant, it's because we're still doing this virtually. And I'm in my uh, game room slash office. Uh, and after my rant, my wife slid a piece of paper under the door that reads, Are you having a stroke? <laughs> Question mark. Jesus. Send me a picture of that, too. <laughs> I will. It is. I don't know if it's inspiring or what that this that this story specifically is both like enraged us to a certain degree. But um, <laughs> bottom line, it really does seem to be on the consumer. So unfortunately, unfortunately, I have to advise anybody who, if you're look, if you're digging these beers have your head checked for a start because I've had a couple of these slushy beers and I mean my god they fucking ugh. but if that's your bag I don't judge 
Keep them cold. <laughs> Keep them cold. Uh, because um, they will referment, and the brewery and the BA and the federal government doesn't fucking care if you lose an eye. Yep. Uh, well, my last article kind of almost sort of ties in in a loose way. Yingling, uh, we've talked about on this podcast, uh, is releasing a new beer. It's called their Raging Eagle, Eagle Mango. The can looks nothing like what you would expect from the logo or expect from if you've ever seen a Yingling beer. Uh, it is, they've ran a whole new advertising campaign. I think they're running from the picture. It looks like 24 ounce cans of this. Uh, it's time to grab life by the mangoes. Um, <laughs> it's a Pilsner with natural mango flavor. Uh, they said in a quote, we saw an opportunity to leverage our six generations of brewing expertise to create a refreshing mango beer that appeals to adventurous drinkers and add a bold new brand to our portfolio of iconic beers. We saw I can almost guarantee <laughs> that ain't going to blow up. We've, we saw an opportunity to leverage our brewing uh, brewing experience uh, off a cliff, and we added mango to this shit. Uh, we're, we're, just drink it. We, we don't know what to do anymore. Uh, it's suspected that they're trying to target 21 to 35-year-old young adults. Uh, do you feel targeted? It, do you feel targeted? A little. Okay. I mean, if it was available, I'd try it. Uh, I, mean, I would try it too, but... Be available across 22 states. Uh, it will be available in 24-ounce cans. Um, so, kind of cool to see Yingling adding a new option. I almost wonder if the new partnership with Molson Coors helps spurn this on. And I'm just hoping it doesn't explode. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing Yingling has the technology and the fucking wherewithal to know... That you ferment the sugars out, but I, I, or you use extract. I mean, or you pasteurize the bitch before you fucking pack after you package it. Um, that too. Although I've, I've, I, I've gotten some. Uh, I had a conversation recently with a, uh, uh with a, a spokesperson from a, um, uh, a local brewery had problems with this, and apparently there are yeasts that grow on, say, huckleberries that are immune to pasteurization and apparently the boiling process. So, I mean, <laughs> it's probably because they kind of got into the huckleberry. I report so. you decide. I'm just, I'm relaying <laughs> the information as it was relayed to me. I'm <laughs> kind of skeptical myself, but I have no uh, uh, evidence one way or the other. Other than they, Fair enough. other than they said they had the uh, yeast tested, and it was from the huckleberries, and they're like, we did not uh, add huckleberries for or after the boil. So anything <laughs> that anything that was on the huckleberries was added to the boil. So, <laughs> damn. So I don't know what to do with that information, other than uh, suspect that there might be yeast on Idaho huckleberries that left their fucking parents on Krypton. <laughs> uh. Well, 
Jeremy, anything else today? Or? I think uh, I, I think we've purged a lot of anger today. <laughs> I feel better. Tyler, do you? I do. <laughs> Uh, well, then, uh, then it has, this has been It's All Beer. Um, if you would like to get a hold of us, um, we are on, uh, you know, uh, we have an email, like, you know, you newfangled kids these days. Uh, we're at itsallbeer at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, we're posting the stories that we use to make this uh, podcast every week. Uh, you can follow us there and get a sneak preview of what we're going to scream about uh, in a few days. Uh, we're at It's All Beer 1. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, you, you can uh, uh, see pictures of what we're drinking. And coming soon, some pictures of what can happen when your fucking cans explode. Um, <laughs> check us out there. And um, and if you, if you feel so inclined, if you're liking, if you if you got through this, you're like, wow, they yell really good. Uh, leave that as a review. I will, you know, let Tyler know how much yeah, that... When he gets really, really angry and his face gets really, really red, it's kind of <laughs> funny. <laughs> yep. It amused the fuck out of me. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one, but uh, it, it works for me. But uh, um, I think that'll be quite enough for us. Uh, I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to hope a can doesn't explode in my face. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs>